Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, have you ever wondered what those dreams that you have every night actually mean? Which ones you should listen to? Which ones should you just ignore? Which ones are trying to tell you something? Well, today's guest is going to help us decipher our dreams. We have on the show Dr. Kelly Sullivan Walden, who is the author of 10 best-selling books and an award-winning dream expert. And Kelly and I had a wonderful conversation about dreams We kind of broke down some of my dreams, some of hers, and some of her best of dreams she's ever heard from her clients. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Kelly Sullivan Walden. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm doing good. (laughs) After all the technological snafus. Oh, I'm so happy to be you with know, you. I, I appreciate that. You know, for I every time I have really technical issues with a guest on their end, <laughs> it's usually the greatest conversations afterwards, you know, because we have to work harder for the conversation. So. Yeah, it's like, I really want to be with him. I ain't no mountain high enough. I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> well, thank <laughs> you so much. Of course, of course. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, your new book, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, uh, and uh, also this other work that you do with the dreams, uh, this other little stuff that you do along the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, dreams have always been fascinating to me because as I've walked my spiritual path, dreams have become a little bit more, uh, I pay more attention to them. They become a little bit more important in my life where as before they were just kind of like oddities in my life. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder what that was. Isn't what that was, but I never really paid much attention to it. So before we dive into the dreamscape, if you will, yeah. um, how did you discover your ability to be able to decode dreams and get into this line of work? Because generally speaking, this is not a four-year degree. <laughs> <laughs> no, not typically. Although now these days I've got I've got students and and clients that are pursuing this as a career, and I think that's a that's awesome. a sign of the times. Yes. I think it's a it's a really good thing. It it all has been very organic, and the um, I would say it's a result of me letting go and having a lot of surrender. Um, I've always been good with dreams. Really, um, I mean, they just seem to speak to me. I had a when I was growing up, my younger sister, Shannon, and I had a lot of shared dreaming called tandem dreaming, where we would end up in the same place at the same time in the same dreamscapes. And anyway, I think that was something to just kind of set me on my path to have me pay extra attention to them. But I I became a certified clinical hypnotherapist about 20, 
five years ago. And that set me on the path of paying attention to dreams professionally because the hypnosis deals with the subconscious mind and dreams are the language of the subconscious and the subconscious mind, according to the American Hypnosis Association is 88% of our mind's power versus our logical conscious mind, which is at best 12%. So I, I started to notice that dreams are, even though they are a little wacky and a little strange and sometimes hard to decode, once we do understand what they're saying, it's mind blowing the wisdom and the intelligence and it feels like it's an accelerator so it's become a passion of mine to inspire people i like to say i'm here to awaken the world to the power of dreams because i think it would be a better world we'd live in a more peaceful yogananda ish i see yogananda yes. over your shoulder over there i think a world that that he would he would like to see a more calm, peaceful, kind world if we were all dreaming and paying attention to dreams. So, so my next question is, should we take them seriously? Because so many people, just like I said earlier, ah, you know, that's kind of a wacky thing. Oh, I had fingers as hot dogs. Uh, you know, dream, like <laughs> in that great movie that just came out, uh, that has that sequence. Yeah, what was everything, everything, everywhere, all at once, which is a fantastic yes. nominated for an oh. Oscar. That is that's the multiverse and that's the whole damn thing is a dreamscape to be honest with you it's an amazing film exactly exactly but kind of now that you bring that up i mean it's the the world of that that movie is like what happens in dreams where we get to we step outside of our linear reality that is kind of got a stair step vibe to it that is like one plus one equals two and everything is sort of rational and makes sense and then we go to sleep and dream and everything flips upside down and everything's out of order and we are connected to the multiverse and we're always connected to it but in dreams we're more we have that that's the water we swim in where our multiple selves past present and future all collide and we recognize that all humanity lives in us the villain the the victor the the mother teresa the all of the, all of the many parts of ourselves they're all there so i think that we should we like i like to say don't take your dreams lying down even the <laughs> even the fingers as sausages there's there's meaning in all of them dreams speak a much more intelligent efficient elegant language than our one by one one word at a time language right because it works in metaphor and yes which is my next question why for god for god's sake <laughs> do they you know why is the the airplane crash doesn't really mean the airplane crash it means like you got to hurry up and do something like these kind of like things because like you know, I, I was I do I decode my own dreams sometimes, and I speak to oh some spiritual yay, advisors, okay, and I speak to some spiritual advisors who kind of help me along sometimes, and I'll never forget this. I was it was about this show. I I was sitting at the edge of uh, like the valley of Los Angeles, and I could see the entire city on the on the landscape, and then this giant jumbo, you know, uh, seven forty seven flies over me, turns around crashes into the city and is heading towards me 
and then I wake up. And by the way, I was getting on a plane in three days. So I was like, oh, knowing that I wasn't going to be, I, I, I knew at that point enough that I'm like, it's not about the plane crash. I know I'm not going to, it's not warning me about the plane crash. I didn't worry about that. But for my, mm-hmm. for my own decoding and from my spiritual advisors uh, decoding, they said, you have to hurry up. There's an urgency to what you have to do. And that is to launch this show. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we got out of it. (laughs) Interesting. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's, we always want things to take off. We always want things to launch and in dream language up tends to symbolize success and things are going well, things are looking up for you. If we're ever feeling sad, we say, well, look up, look on the sunny side, look. And when a crash happens, that's kind of what we don't want in the language of dreams that, but, but really it's, it could also mean like, why did the airplane crash? Was it maybe the breakdown was, was like a prepper, like I believe everything and everyone is an aspect of ourselves in the dream. It's all us. So what part of my inner, what part of me is that airplane that, that crashed? It might've been maybe, maybe an aspect like of, of a previous dream that crashed. Like sometimes there's the breakdown that precedes the breakthrough and maybe it didn't, it didn't take off because I was, it, I had too much baggage packed that was on that plane. So I would think about, I mean, I, what, all roads lead to our freedom and our ability to fly. We want to be able to, to fly. And if that particular plane, I mean, I want to know some more of the surrounding circumstances. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show circumstances, but it might've been sometimes the thing that we think is supposed to go where it's supposed to go doesn't so that we can actually launch into the thing that we're supposed to. Well, from, so from, it's from the, the landscape was like almost like a miniature Los Angeles. And okay. then the, the plane was this oversized monster. It's like, so it was like a, almost a train set of Los Angeles and this plane turned around and, and landed and kind of crashed, not crashed, but landed and was <clears throat> hurling towards me on the ground. But from mm. my understanding, it was if if I don't jump on this path, there you are going to lose this opportunity. Oh, and I was okay. afraid, and I was afraid of launching the show because it was such. Oh, a there we go. Option it's like, so big. Well, it was just a thing that I just didn't know. I was always afraid of launching the show because I was well, afraid of coming out of the spiritual closet. <laughs> Whoa! It feels like the a lot like the the belly of the whale stage of the hero's journey, and yeah. and how the the whale will swallow us up. Like that, those dreams will either help us to take off, or they will we will implode, and it won't go well. I mean, a lot of I would say in some way sickness or illness is a result of not launching and not taking those opportunities and letting them fester and letting them stay inside. So I love this, that it was actually coming after you. So in some way, I've never heard of this exact dream. I've heard of a lot of dreams. Thousands sure you of have. <laughs> and there's a lot of creatures that chase after us, but it's, I don't think I've ever heard about a plane coming but, after someone. But I wasn't scared. I was, there's was well, no fear. There was no fear whatsoever in the dream. 
So that's why I knew by the, the by the feeling that I had during the dream that I was like, I'm not to be afraid of this. This is a warning. This is something to go. You've got to get on this path. This doorway is going to close if you don't yes. walk through it. Kind of vibe, right? Very cool. And it's going to come after you. It feels like this is a new Jonah and the whale kind of a story. It's like the airplane. If you're not going to get jump on the plane, then the plane's going to come over and you're going to have to jump on. Like yeah, your dreams was, are going to have to happen. Yeah, it was going as like, oh, you're not going to, I'm going to come back and pick you up kind of vibe. So it was, it was really, it was a really, I love this. It was a really interesting thing. And then fast forward, this happened to you a while, almost two years ago, but it's one okay. of those dreams I don't forget because of what's happened with my show and how the show- What's happened ex- with your show? So what's happened as a result? Well, it's um, exploded and in a way that I can't even understand. And it's, you know, we're growing at such a rapid pace now that- Wow. It doesn't even make Alex. any sense. So, <laughs> so it's just really interesting. It's just a really interesting thing. And I was very fr- fearful of it. And then- took time, launched it, pulled back because I was Mm. afraid. And then I finally gave in. And when I let go and just said, I'm all in, that's when things started to happen. Uh, A few, like probably six months later is when it started to kick up. And then it really only for the last five months or so, it hockey sticked in a way that I can't. It hockey sticked. Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, we went from 100,000 downloads to millions a month. What? Yeah, it was pretty, it's, is, it's insane. So that's what this that's dream, amazing. so that dream was kind of a catalyst for all of this. I love it. And I love, there's so many people when I do shows, the people that have the real, like the best shows, it seems like there was a dream that kind of kicked their butt into it. Lisa Gar for the um, aware show, she had this aware train that kept like choo-choo chewing through her, through her bedroom, through her mind. And she had to jump on the train and it was so there's something about this momentum and that other people are going to get on and, and benefit from as well. It's a big right. vessel. It was huge. Yours was a big vessel. It made Los Angeles look like little Tonka toys, like little like little Legos. It, that's how big of a, of a place in the valley of this giant. I don't know if you know the L.A. Valley, of course. I do. I, live, like in, I, was, I live in L.A. Right. I lived in, in L.A. In for Tanga. I was in Burbank for many, many years. Thirteen years I lived okay. in L.A. So like when you're at the Hollywood sign and you're just looking over on the mountaintop and you're looking over the, the valley, that's kind of the vibe. And it was, but the city was so little. Like if you're at the observatory and you see mm-hmm. the valley, that's where mm-hmm. it was. But, but they were so small and the train, the, 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 the plane was monstrous. But anyway, I don't want to keep going down this. I don't want to keep going down this because everyone yeah, listening yeah. Okay, is like, okay. okay. We heard the dream, Alex. Let's move on. We got it. We got uh, it. You're successful. Awesome. Keep no, no. going. <laughs> so, my, so, so my question is, and it's a question I get asked a bunch of regards to dreams, is why does it have to be in metaphor? Why can't they just come out and say, do this or this is going to happen? Like it's always spoken in metaphors and images. And rarely does dialogue come into dreams. I do have dreams with dialogue in it. When they do say words, sometimes it's on the nose. Very rarely. Yeah. But most of the times it's just part of the show. Right, exactly. And some, yeah, sometimes we do get those very spot on. I think that's when the dreams get frustrated with us. They're, they're like, okay, I'm going to spell it out to you because clearly you're not picking you're up dense. what I'm throwing you're down. You're too dense. You're too dense. <laughs> but, you know, okay, so that Einstein quote that we can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. Correct. So we could say that the mind the part of our mind that creates all the problems is the logical, linear, 
denser perspective. And the part of us that does connect with the solutions is the the broader mind. So our dreams, the metaphors, those symbols that we get, they we access when we, in order to understand them, we have to think in a nonlinear way. We have to, we kind of have to go on the ride of where our dreams want to take us. And then we, we have a eureka moment. So anytime you've ever had an aha moment where like all of a sudden you get that great insight, that great awareness, that synchronistic thing, you were not in an ordinary rational state of mind when that happened. So I think the decoding of those symbols in order to do it, in order to sync up to that vibration, we have to elevate, we have to become attuned to that more symbolic thinking part of ourselves that is where all the solutions reside. So it's kind of like, I remember somebody saying once about kids with, um, with Asperger's or with um, not, not just ADD, but with like learning disorders, they speak in a regular, it's like they're, if we could uh, attune to them, we'd actually understand everything they're trying to tell us. And it's like dreams. If we acclimate to the level of the intelligence of our dreams, we become more intelligent as a result, more intuitive. In fact, there was all kinds of research at Harvard about this that said, if you do pay attention to dreams and learn to understand them, we become naturally more intuitive. Mm. We become better problem solvers. We become better navigators of our lives. So. It's kind of like they're dangling a carrot. And if we catch up to the carrot, then we realize, oh, wait, there's no problem here. Oh, all the answers are right here. You know, you know, you want to hear something funny sometimes because I love my dreams and I, I dream often and and uh, I come from the film industry. So I've been directing and things for many years. And when I, you know, a lot of times because of my director's eye, mm -hmm. my dreams can be very high production value. <laughs> See what I mean? Without so the, breaking the bank, you've got an right, budget. Exactly. So when certain, sometimes certain dreams are, when I say high production value for people who don't know what that means, it's just, it's, it looks very well produced. And sometimes I get, I, and I get frustrated sometimes because I'm like, I, like, man, I couldn't get that dream guys. It just wasn't the production value kind of sucked on that last one. So I'll, when I go to sleep, I'll make an intention. I go, guys, if you want to get a message to me and I say, guys, meaning my spirit guides, my yeah. the other side, whoever's trying to send me the message, I go, you're going to need to up the game a bit and you, and you need to bring the production value so I can clearly see what you're trying to do. Cause the last one was a little muddy. It was one room. You need to take up a game a bit. And those are the nights that I wake up and have these beautifully produced like movie stars are in it and and, you know, big sets and all this stuff. And I would like to I would love to hear your thoughts on like people like movie stars and yes. people like that. From my understanding, that gets thrown into a dream for you to pay attention because is that right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, everybody and everyone and everything in the dream is an aspect of us. And so that means anybody can show up and it's and it represents a part of us. But the difference between, let's say, like an ordinary villain versus a celebrity villain, it's kind of like adding technicolor to that dream. It's like adding a highlighter pen saying, pay attention to this. So 
the celebrity aspect just turns up the dial a little bit higher. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And it tends to make the stakes a bit higher for us mm-hmm. as well. And we do tend to pay attention. Oh, yeah. I think some, it's like in the in dream language, celebrities equal pay attention to that dream. And also, I would say as a kind of a subtext, our, if, if our subconscious mind had an agenda, it would be for us to wake up, for us to become attuned to who we truly are beyond just the mundane reality. And another way of looking at like that, looking at that is for us to take off, for us to fly, and for us to step into the light of who we're, we're here to be. And in other words, the celebrity version of each of us, each of us are born to shine, whether we're going to be on a film set or a television set in our lives or not, but we're all here to step into the light that is ours to step into. So in some way, a celebrity in a dream is kind of like helping us to acclimate to stepping into whatever that role is, the role of a lifetime that we're meant to play, whether it be as a mother whether it be as a baker or a candlestick maker or whatever that is, like step into that role and shine. Now, let me ask you, uh, when you say subconscious mind, um, yeah. do you ever go down the spiritual side of of dreams and, and what that means in regards to your relatives or like I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, spirit guides or angels or loved ones, whoever you want to say in that, sp- in that space, that is a conversation talking from the other side. Because again, to my understanding is when the other side does want to send a message, they, our, our minds, our experiences are basically like an open hard drive or open book where they go, oh, he's going to get what makes sense to me won't make sense to you because it's very mm-hmm. customized to like, let's say Yogananda shows up in my dream. That means something right. to me because I, I, I identify right. with Yogananda as opposed to you that might be Frida uh, in the background. Wow, like yeah. Hey, if, how'd you know? <laughs> if she shows up, she means more to you than she does to me in my scope. So it's a very customizable thing. And they use things that you might even seen that day or that week or a movie, to, like an avatar scene. If you just watched the avatar or something like that, they're like, to get your attention for the message. Is that fair? Dream, by the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, yes. Avatar came from James, James Cameron's dream, by the so way. Did, did you know so, that? Oh, I'm very familiar with Jim's work. And yeah. not only yeah. that, but Terminator as well. The the original yes. the original skeleton, the ectoskeleton that is the Terminator was in a feverish dream. He had a high 105 degree temperature in Italy. Oh, wow. While he was trying to, after he got fired from his first movie, Parama, Piranha 2, the spawning. Oh. And he was trying and he had he was sick in Rome and he had a dream for the Terminator. And then he wrote the Terminator quickly after that. So that was a dream. Yeah, Jim uh, and I speak like I know him, but Mr. Cameron uh uses his dreams. JC. A lot. JC as we like to call oh. him uh, when we go out to drink. Right. Um he he uses his dreams a lot. And so does Spielberg. So a lot of the the bigger filmmakers and creators, they really pay attention to their dreams. Yeah, dream works. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question about the spiritual side of dreaming, it's it's so incredible. And I love that you brought up um, departed loved ones and 
that I think, again, if the agenda of the subconscious mind is for us to wake up and to drop our fear and to step more boldly into our soul, our spirit, having, having a departed loved one come into our dream and mm-hmm. us to have, having some kind of a communion with them, some sense of they survived death and we're still in touch with them. We still love each other. That that has survived death. Oh my God, there's almost nothing greater to awaken us to our spirituality than to have grandma or dad or mom or our pet show up in our dream and give us that look or give us a hug. There's nothing more healing for the heart than those kind of dreams and the portals that they can open up for us. Just having one of those dreams. I mean, the the night I read, a, this is one of the chapters in my book, um, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. I call it cosmic Lola. The night that my dog Lola was passing away, it was so heart wrenching. She was really old and she had outlived her. She wasn't supposed to live as long as she did. So we had a lot of borrowed time, but it's still, it's never, it's never enough. And the night that she was dying, I had this dream that she unzipped her dog suit and became the cosmic sky. And I was like, she was never really a dog the whole time. She was the cosmos in this tiny little chihuahua body. Oh my God. And it was, and it was like, she was like, yep, that's who I really am. So that so helped me be, have more peace on that day. That was so brutal to have to say goodbye to her, but to, have that little dream like everybody could say oh she's on the other side of the rainbow bridge she loves you she's with you wah 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 but the fact that i had this very personal dream with her in it imprinted me and it was undeniable and i grabbed onto that and i still Mm -hmm. do when i think about her it's like wait she's not dead that's not how i want to remember her but she's the cosmic sky okay she's good i miss her but I have her now to think about and other loved ones as well that have come to me in dreams. How about you? Have you? Oh yeah. Yeah. There was a few years ago. I had a very stressful situation I was in and for whatever reason, my grandma showed up in a dream and I was in bed in a dream and she just kind of was patting me on the back and kind of stroking my back, kind of like, it's okay. And I don't dream with my grandmother very often. Uh, You know, I, I don't even remember other dreams with her, but she just out of the blue showed up. And when I kind of just spoke to again to my spiritual advisors about it, and and they they said she was just there to kind of say it's going to be okay. It's just it was a moment of love. That's all that was. It, there was no message to it. She just wanted to let you know it's gonna it's gonna be okay because she saw all of the stress and trauma I was going through during that moment, and she was just there to kind of like it's okay. It's okay. It's gonna be okay. It was such a it was just such a lovely reassuring dream dreams have such a powerful ability to transform negative things into like to give you support when you need it i've noticed at least in my life yeah i mean that just in the way you just talked about that i could see and feel this sort of portal that opened in you in your heart just were in that place of reassurance that all the books, all the spiritual masters on this level, as great as they are, couldn't necessarily give you that. 
And that's why I think dreams are so elegant because they, one little moment with your grandma on the other side could give you that much soul Peace. medicine. Yeah. Isn't it incredible? It's, it's, it's remarkable. It truly, truly is remarkable, the power of dreams. And as you start to delve deeper into dreams and decoding the dreams, because decoding is an art form. There's no question about it. It is mm -hmm. not easy. I mean, not like that, that, that plane thing. If I would have been another person, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not getting on that. I'm not getting on that flight in three days because I'm going to crash. Like it, it, it's, it, and that, and using that analogy, knowing that I was going to be on a plane in three days was mm -hmm. also an interesting choice too, because it could have been misinterpreted, but it's something to also pay attention to because I was, I'm going to definitely pay attention to a crashing plane if I'm getting on a plane in three days. So it's interesting. True. But I think what you did was exactly the right thing, which was to pay attention to the feeling tone in your dream. There wasn't fear involved and you weren't on that plane. Right. And I was watching. So there's right. So it doesn't mean that, you know, sometimes these things happen, but there's this shamanic belief that everything happens first in a dream. And so the fact that you were able to see it, it was from afar. It felt it did feel to you. You're the best interpreter of your own dreams. You could have a thousand people like me give you their feedback, but you're the one that has your own intuition as the litmus test of what is this dream trying to give me? It's so I really love where your dream went. We can't, we have to follow. I mean, our feelings are the energy of the dream is the key to how to quote unquote interpret the dream. What does the dream feel like? And what in waking reality? feels like that or similar to that so that's where we that's where we pay attention it's kind of like draw a circle around that and then step inside of that instead of getting too lost in our mind we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show i mean it might seem like dream work is an intellectual activity but it isn't it's very much about the body and your and your senses and, and your intuition, our mind can come on board at the very end to kind of connect a few dots, but but not till the end. Sausage fingers, not intellectual. <laughs> Sausage fingers, not hot dog fingers, not intellectual. Uh, it's <laughs> to say the were least. Were they smoking before they had that dream? Whoa! Yeah. So um so let me ask you then, why is it so hard to remember dreams? That's another thing that happens is, yeah, there's certain dreams like that that just are so in technicolor that you're going to remember them afterwards. But I actively, if I remember a dream, I actively try, if I wake up to try to kind of like reinforce it, reinforce it, reinforce it, just enough to when I get out of bed, okay, I'm still thinking about it, I still think, and I'll lose maybe the beginning of it or the end of it, but the core of the middle, I still remember, and then I'll write it down. And then it's gone. It's gone. Right. And very few things that I could hold on to. So why is that? The, it's like um, I used to run track when I was in high school and when I would run the relay races. So there's kind of like this passing of baton. So when we go to sleep, our conscious mind is exhausted from hours of, of overuse. So <laughs> the conscious mind hands the baton over to the subconscious mind. And this is where... It's kind of like the freaks come out at night. The, the 
anything that's been suppressed by day, any emotions, any, I don't want to think about that. And that it's like all those things that didn't get handled go into sort of this crazy room, like at, what, is, what was that? Um, midnight at the museum or at night oh, at the night, museum. Night, night at the museum. Like, yeah. So all of these, this part of ourselves, and I think about the back of the head, like the limbic brain mm-hmm. is what picks up that baton and it says, woo, now it's our time. Now it's our chance. And it's the nonlinear part of the mind that is doing, doing the thinking, doing the processing. And by the time we wake up in the morning, it's time to, we switch back over to the prefrontal cortex that thinks in a very orderly, organized way. And if we, and if we wake up too quickly, the logical brain will either take a look at the dream we were having and say, well, that just doesn't make sense. Let's get rid of it. Or we just, it's like the, in the distance between the, that more primal part of the mind and the, and the prefrontal cortex, that newer brain, the distance it takes for us to travel there is like within just a couple of minutes and we'll lose the dream if we, if we wake up too quickly. So this is why I tell people stay, like do exactly what you were doing. Think about that last little snippet of the dream that you were just having. contemplate it several times before you move a muscle and then write it down immediately because it will be gone. I mean, it's like switching channels on a radio. If there's some song that you'd never heard before, it's kind of subtle. You're like, oh, wait, what are those pretty lyrics? And then if you turn it to a punk rock station, it's like, wait, 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 I can't remember that. Wait a minute. Ah, it's gone. And then you try to dial back in to find it. So the, the practice is to just write immediately upon awakening don't get out of bed, don't move a muscle until you've got some sense of the last bit of the dream you had and then write it down or record it on your phone or draw a picture of it or tell somebody, but I always say don't do that because you might get in the way of your partner, husband or wife or whatever from them being able to remember their dream if you talk your dream out loud to them, but write it down at the very least. So what happens when two people have the same dream at the same time? Similar place that you mentioned that earlier. That's happened to me where I've had, you know, I'll, I'll call somebody and they're like, I go, man, I had this dream. They're like, shut up. I was there. I was there. and I didn't know what was going on. It's the same place I was. What does that mean usually? Oh God. Well, it's very special. And I've, and I grew up with those. That's why I got so deeply into dreams because of the tandem dreaming I was having with my sister and still do every once in a while. At the very least, it means that you're psychically attuned, you're psychically connected, and that you should pay attention to what was happening in that dream. Consider that there's extra highlighter pen saying, what was that? Don't forget that dream. So there's just extra arrows pointing toward that. And I mean, my sister, I'll just speak from personal experience. We're very, very deeply, soulfully connected, psychically attuned. If you end up in the same dream at the same time, it's, you know, you're on the same wavelength and there's no end to what's possible there. I mean, we talk about lucid dreaming where you're aware that you're dreaming when you're dreaming. But if you can have a partner in crime, partner in shine, oh my Lord. I mean, this is like the beginnings of the 2.0 of consciousness mm. and the places that we can explore together. And it's so vast. I mean, we're just as smart as we all think we are as many books as we've read and as many cool meditations as we've had, we're just in the 0.001% of exploring what's possible. 
So these kind of dreams point toward what else we are capable of as humans. We're not just here to suffer and pay bills and struggle, struggle, struggle until we die. We're here to do some of that stuff. And our dreams are part of the part. It's like going into the consciousness gym to help us work some of these muscles so that we can carry some of that consciousness over into this, this reality. Now, is there divine intervention in our dreams? Have you experienced that or seen that? I think so. I think that, I mean, I mean, it depends on what you think of as that, but I think that we have free will. That's my, yeah. that's my mythology that we do. I know some people that are very smart that say the opposite, but no, I no, we control everything. Like yeah, we control everything, obviously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I believe in free will. However, I think that sometimes, I mean, like I've had very strong voices, like a, a voice, a very paternal voice. I think it's my grandpa Solomon. I'm not sure. But that comes in and just says like, yo, 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 knock that off. Have I taught you nothing? Go over here instead. Like, whoa. And so it feels like divine intervention shaking me by the heels. Like, no, Kelly, like way off track. Go over here. So I do think sometimes our angels, our guides, our higher beings that love us will sometimes, because the veil is so thin and we're a sitting duck, we're kind of, uh, we're just, we can't, we can't run and hide like we can in our ordinary conscious mind. We can't bob and weave and, and duck away from that wisdom. In dreams, we're a bit more susceptible to being able to receive all of that. So I think that's the perfect place for our spirit guides to bust in, to bust a move. So as they say, as they say. Have you had that experience uh, of divine intervention in a dream? I'm, I'm, the, 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 the conversation or the, the definition of divine intervention is it varies from person to person. So I think that there have been dreams that have definitely moved me in a certain direction, but I found much more divine intervention in my meditations, which is a, a dream like almost sometimes a dream like it's on uh, the spectrum. It's definitely on the, you know, I'm, I mean, you can actually go deeper in meditation than you can in the dream alpha channel in the alpha waves in your brain to my understanding that's stronger. Like I'm talking about monks who've been meditating for 30 years can go into gamma. Uh, that's far beyond, yes. you know, just the normal alpha waves and, and, and REM sleep that we're, we're in. So there is, I've found in my meditations, I have a very deep meditation practice that I've had that kind of stuff happen in my meditations more mm -hmm. so than in my dreams. I'm not maybe, I think I'm more trained in meditation than I am in dreams um, to get that kind of information. And I found that mm -hmm. in meditations, it's a little bit more straightforward. It's the meditation, there's not as much metaphor when it's usually- Correct. It's usually because your um, conscious mind is still present the to, whole time. To a, is, to a certain extent, yes, it's it, yeah. it should be. But if you go so deep that you don't even, I've gone so deep that I don't even know where I am when I come back out. I'm like, Ooh. how long, how long have I been out? How long have I been? I've been out in this other place. So meditations, you mm. can't do that for like. Sometimes I've got to go an hour, and I'm like, oh, what? and I think it's ten minutes. But when I look at the clock, I'm like, oh wow, it's been under an hour and a half, two hours. So those are the best meditations, by the way. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. But a lot of the things that we do when we're dreaming on a physiology in the in the physical body mm -hmm. can be done in the deep meditation state as well. The repair systems, the relaxation, all that stuff as well. Because I don't sleep Absolutely. many hours. I sleep five hours a night, six hours a night. 
And I spoke to a Harvard professor who told me, uh, you're one of those people, but your meditation <laughs> covers, but your meditation covers a lot of the stuff that you might be missing. And there are people right. who are, there's two groups, one that can function on five or six hours of sleep comfortably. And yes, people who need nine or 10 hours of sleep to function. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Right, right. Well, God, good for you. That's kind of the best of both worlds to get that, to have those few hours sleep, but then have those deep meditations to do all that repair work. And it's all consciousness. It's all in the consciousness gym, whether you do it by, I mean, meditation is for people that want to be better dreamers and have better dreams. Meditating is, meditating is good for so many things. I mean, it's just, it's just not going to hurt you. It's just so many benefits. Right. Such little pain. Right. Right. And, and you're right. My med- my dreams have become much more vivid, much more uh, interesting after meditating for as many years as I have, considering where I was mm. before and to where I am now. Now, there's one mm. section of dreams that I think we all have at one point or another, and it's something that we don't talk about yeah. very often, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sexual dreams. Those are mm. always, those are always fun. Uh, <laughs> they, you know, uh, I... I quite enjoy them, uh, you know, they're just, <laughs> but they're, they're dreams, they're dreams that come in, um, sometimes with your partner, sometimes not with your partner, sometimes with a celebrity, sometimes not with a celebrity. It's, it's just all over the place. What, in your opinion, do they mean generally speaking when there's, you know, as, and if you have a good feeling, obviously, I mean, if it's a negative feeling, it's a different thing, but, but in a good right. feeling sexual dream that. Every one of us have it at one point or another in our lives. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's awesome. And I would say <laughs> that like, okay, first of all, it's just awesome. So what's the purpose and what does it mean? Yeah. I would say one aspect of it, like, again, I always like the, the end goal is awakening. The end goal is for us to be fully like to have heaven on earth. And so sexuality is one path to get there. I mean, there's a whole tantric path to be able to allow sex to take us there. And so sex in a dream can be incredibly liberating and we feel better. We're just, we're just a better version of ourselves when we wake up, whether we remember the dream or not. But then as a metaphor, from the perspective that everyone and everything in the dream is an aspect of us, sex is a metaphor for joining, for, for deep, deep connection. So whoever you're having sex with in the dream or having being sexual with in a dream is often about self-love. It's about like the part of ourselves that, so it could be, you know, if you ask yourself, you know, three adjectives to describe the person that you were having the sexual dream about, describe that them that in, in three words, and then consider that that's the part of yourself that you are bonding with that you're joining with Mm -hmm. and it's often you can look at it from that perspective and notice how these dreams are helping us to be better i mean i know this one woman i remember i mean teeny little thing super like frail tiny and she had a sexual dream about an ex-boyfriend i said we'll describe him in three adjectives she said strong capable no one's gonna mess with him and i said so is there any part of you in your life right now where you could 
use some of that energy. So, oh my God, yeah, I'm in the middle of moving. I'm feeling so lost and so scared and so alone. So having this dream, she's reconnecting with this part of her that has her back, that has her strength. So that's one way to be able to look at it. The celebrity that's also bringing into an intimate place within you your inner celebrity, the part of you that shines, but also just ask what those three qualities are. Do you have anyone you want to talk about? <laughs> no, no, no. I haven't, I haven't had one in quite some time. I haven't had one in quite some time. I like to tell people that it's the ultimate hall pass, these dreams, because <laughs> yes, you don't, nobody are. gets in trouble because it's all an aspect of you. So if you the tell best, your sweetheart. The best is when... <laughs> when like a wife has a dream about you sleeping with someone else and then they get wake up in the morning and they're angry with you and they're like oh god what do you what do you what do you i didn't do anything <laughs> I, I shared i did my first with somebody on tiktok where there's this woman and man and she's so mad at him <laughs> and she's like you better apologize he's like I'm so sorry that in your dream, I am flirting with your friend. And she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> That's the definition like, of insanity. That's the definition right. of insanity. That's the definition of insanity. Exactly. <laughs> but it does happen and we do. They feel so real that we do act out on our partner, but we have to look at ourselves. I mean, every once in a while, these dreams are telling us about something going on. I mean, it happened to me once in a in a relationship years and years ago i kept having dreams about the guy i was with being with another woman and i it kept coming up oh, wow. and it started to become more detailed and more specific and finally he broke down and admitted that it was true that it was that it happened exactly as i had seen it Ooh. so that that's kind of the exception to the rule i would say but it's worth for every dream it's worth doing the reality check and just saying, could this happen? Might that have happened? Is there any reality to this dream? And then if there seems to be nothing that checks out on the physical plane, then consider that it's all a metaphor. Well, that brings me to my next question then, premonitions. Mm -hmm. um, that's a premonition. How can you decode premonitions inside <laughs> of dreams? Oh, well, it's tricky because you never know if it's a premonition until things play out to confirm it. But if we pay attention to dreams over time, we start to notice patterns in ourselves. Some of us, even based on the cycle of the moon, some of us have during a full moon, we'll tend to have more precognitive dreams. Or there's certain characters that show up recurringly in a precognitive dream. I always talk about my friend um, Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. She has this very odd Franciscan monk that shows up in her dream whenever she's got a health challenge that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And she's a three-time breast cancer survivor. Even and she and the monk in her dream saved her life because he kept showing up and kind of giving her the message that she needed to have her breast examined. She was like, "I already got it examined. I already did a." biopsy all these things it was like nope go back and turned out she had stage four cancer that none of the machines were picking up so whenever that monk shows up she knows okay great i gotta go to the doctor gotta get checked out so some people have a recurring dream where they're back at school or they're in a movie theater and you know that that's the scenario that tends to be where your precognitive dreams 
show up. So it's important for all of us to just pay attention to some of the themes that show up regularly or what's happening when we do have those precognitive dreams and see if, so that we can start to chart that. We might be able to know they're precognitive before we have to wait for things to play out. Yeah, I've, I've never had the same dream twice or even the same theme of dreams twice. I don't, at least I don't remember it. So it's not a thing like I'm in mm. theater or you know, the plane keeps crashing mm. or things like that. There's none of that, at least that I can remember. And I've been studying them pretty intensely for the last seven, eight years. So it doesn't seem like it for me. But from what you're saying is if you do have, like you said, with that that ex, uh, ex-boyfriend, mm-hmm. the theme keeps getting again, it keeps coming up again and again, and then it starts getting more and more detailed, like they're focusing it in on you, putting more light on this. The production value starts to go up in, in, in the dream. <laughs> exactly. It's something that you really need to start paying attention to. If, it, if Even if you do it twice. It's something, it's a rarity. Is that, it's a rarity. Well, so there's a couple of different ways of looking at recurring dreams, even just recurring themes in our lives as well. So one way of looking at it is that we're in a loop and until we get the message, we don't get to graduate from that loop, like Groundhog's Day. So like Bill Murray, it's like once we get the message, then we're able to switch gears. So if we're tired of the same old dream scene or dreamscape or same people and same thing happening, then ask yourself, what do I need to do? What, what am I not getting? What do I need to learn from this? What do I need? How do I need to change? The other way of looking at it, though, is that most of us have certain recurring characters and certain recurring, like a playlist of places, people, things that tend to show up. Like we tend to all have um, a place where we like a home that we used to live in that will show up to let us know that we're dealing with issues from childhood or we often yes. will have. So do you have any of those? Oh yeah. 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 I've had, okay. those, yeah. I've had my old house uh, that I used to live in flooding, you know, oh. uh, flooding coming from the ceiling and me trying to clean it up. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And I was like, what is that going on? This is years, this is years ago, but I was like, what does that mean? But it, but again, from, from decoding it, it was something, mm. th- there was stuff that in the past that I will be dealing with. And if I don't deal with it, it's going to overtake me, which was kind of the flooding waters. Again, didn't have a negative feel in it when it was happening. I don't r- rarely have scary dreams, which we'll get to in a second, or screen that I feel threatened. I haven't had those since I was a kid. Uh, you know, my favorite dream I remember, I'll never forget is my favorite dream when I was a kid was, and it was a lucid dream. And I was a kid, I was mm. probably in sixth grade or something like that. And I was in my little apartment and someone knocks on the door. I open the door and there's this giant man in a trench coat who I don't see his face. And oh then gosh. for whatever reason, I said to myself, Hey, this is my dream and I control my <laughs> dreams for whatever reason. So I was conscious of the dream. So then, oh, you, know, brilliant. you know what? I'm going to kick him in the balls. So I, went to, <laughs> so I went to kick him in the balls and he blocked it. And <gasps> I said, I'm out. And I just woke up. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. That was, that was the one punch I was going to throw. I'm out. 
And that was it. I have no idea what that me- dreams meant. It was, ha- I mean, it was when I was sixth grade. So there might've been stuff I was going through at that time in my life, but it was such a funny. You're discovering in some way, if it were my dream, discovering where my power is, like if, like how, what's my strategy? Cause often we'll have a challenging dream during transition times in our lives or times when we're feeling powerless, we'll experiment with, do I, do I fight back or do I get good at running? How do I survive? Our, our nightmares aren't just, they're not just trying to like torture us. They're trying to help us figure out the best survival strategy by getting it maybe wrong a few times in the dream until we figure out what we're going to do. If yeah. it, if the situation plays out, so yeah, so nightmares because nightmares is a bi- is a big deal with a lot of people because some people are tortured literally night after night with nightmares. They're like to the point where some people are afraid to go to sleep because right. of these nightmares that are so vivid and so terrifying to them. What, you know, and it could be you know, from my understanding, it could be traumas, it could be um, pains, uh, un- unconscious stuff that they just had never dealt with from childhood or anything. What is your explanation of nightmares specifically and how do, do we deal with them? How do we kind of process them? You know, these are these are dreams that not only are scary because I had scary dreams, but I don't fear fear. Mm. And then there are scary dreams like the, like the, the crash, the plane crash. It That's a scary dream. A giant plane is coming towards you. But I felt no <laughs> but I felt no fear. But then there are scary dreams that you're terrified in it. So. What, what, what do you suggest? Oh, there's so many different things, but then I'd say the nutshell is one way to look at nightmares is that they are venting dreams there and processing dreams. There was a study done a few years ago that showed that it's part of our survival strategy as, as a, as a part of a species that has survived millennia. One I mean, so many other species have died out and yet ours has survived for a long, long time. And a reason for that is our ability to dream and process and and work through difficult, scary, life-challenging situations before they actually happen. So one way to look at nightmares is that it is like a rehearsal for the worst case scenario so that should that ever happen, we're prepared. It's like we've already had the drill so that if the worst thing happens, we're like, okay, don't go there, grab that, do that, talk to that person, you know, so that we're, we're better survivors. Another perspective is that they're venting dreams. They're helping us to get out of our system energy that's gotten locked in. There's a lot of research these days on somatic therapy and what happens in the body when we experience trauma. One of the stories in my book, in A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, I talk about it's in the chapter called The Right to Bite. Um, I get attacked by two bull mastiffs. They're like on both sides of me. And one of them's like, and I, I had worked with a trauma therapist years before who taught me how in real life, how to get the trauma out of the body and by shaking. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But when trauma happens, typically we tighten up, we clench and, the, and all of that emotion crystallizes and goes inside our body. Our dreams are helping us to unpack that, help to get it out so that it doesn't toxify inside us, so that it doesn't coagulate and become bigger and take us out. So our nightmares are really trying to kind of open our inner Pandora's box and let some of those negative thoughts, negative beliefs, limited ideas out so that they can go away. The only problem is that sometimes 
we loop them back in. We recycle them as opposed to just letting them have their, have their due. So my strategy for working with nightmares so that they can do what they're intended to do, which is bring up what's here because you can't heal what you can't feel and then work it through, figure out a new strategy and then let it go so that you come back. If, if we get to go the full cycle, then we actually feel incredibly empowered mm-hmm. and, and victorious as a result of going through that. So what I like to do with people, if anybody is listening and they're, and they have a recurring nightmare, what you can do, and this is, this is going to seem like a very simple thing, but there is tons of research that backs up the validity of this. And I was doing it for years before I found out they were doing it at Harvard. And this is just, it's a really powerful tool. Um, and it's called imagery rehearsal therapy, IRT. And it's where you, in your waking state, you call to mind a nightmare. And ideally, as you're doing that, you also call in some angels or some reserves, some kind of superpower so that you're not just re-traumatizing yourself. But you imagine yourself going through that nightmare, but doing something differently. So for example, the making that big airplane get to the size of like a little model plane and you're the giant and you're like, what do you want to tell me, little airplane or big scary monster, Darth Vader? You shrink it to the size of a pea or you put him in jail and then you're able to talk to him outside the prison bar so he can't hurt you. But you're able to interview Darth Vader and say, why are you trying to kill me? Or what, what kind of gift are you trying to give me? So you resolve the dream using your imagination. And often in the process of doing that, mm. you resolve, you help the dream do what it was trying to do in the first place. And then you won't have to have that recurring dream anymore. And it will have fleshed that out of your system so that you can be the 2.0 version of yourself on the other side of that. That's the fantastic way of looking at nightmares because it is a problem for a lot of people. So hopefully that helps some people listen. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's something that I love to do. I teach it in my dream work practitioner training. People come to my training because they want to learn how to do it for other people, but they end up going, wow, just to be able to learn how to do this for myself. It's, I mean, it's a simple thing. It doesn't take that much to, to do it. That's fantastic. Now, out of all the dreams you've listened, you've heard over the years, What's the craziest one? <laughs> About this guy, I'm sitting on the edge of the valley and Oh, wait a minute. That was you. That was you. Is there one that stood out to you like, wow, that's interesting? God, <laughs> oh, there's so many. Oh man. Um, let me see. I I might just have to God. There's some, this isn't the most bizarre by Mm -hmm. any means. Oh man, there's so many. They're all flying back Um, into your head right now. (laughs) They're all like, I'm being overloaded. Um, There, this, this is not going to be the most crazy dream, but this is just one that came to me from a client a few days ago about this um, construction zone and all this stuff going on and, under construction and this this woman walking by in a bridal gown help me help me and normally he would be so inclined to be the hero to help her but he's like no no 
and like he sends her away and she's like jerk <laughs> and, and meanwhile he goes in to help these burly guys that are that are like un excavating um this this big building or something he's like what the heck why would i just say no to the damsel in distress and try to help them? anyway what we were able to uncover from that is that he's needing to not be in a relationship right now and of course because he's needing his own time to deal with the foundation of his own life to tend to that that doesn't look sexy but it's like to deal with his own foundation we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show he's having to really set boundaries with relationships that are tempting and seductive, but it's not helping him with the foundation of his spiritual life. And so he's having to, so there's, there was that, that's which awesome. I thought was that's awesome. really that's cool. A be- that's, a yeah. be- that's a beautiful one. That's a really beautiful one. <laughs> now I was waiting for the hot dog's finger story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh God. As soon as we, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to be like, Alex, hey, let's do a part two. I've I just had this dream. God, I've got so many. So, um, mm. are there any tips that you can give the audience on how to decode their own dreams? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in fact, if people sign up on my website, mm-hmm. I have it will be available. I don't know if this goes out right away, but in the next day. Oh, well, fabulous! Yeah. By the time this comes out, um, I have this jet set formula. And a lot of people, and it's not in one of my books yet. I have other other formulas that are in my in my book. In my book, it's all in your dreams. I have a what I use is the saddle formula, but the jet set formula is the kind of the newer one, and it's what people are really digging. And it's about jets, so go figure. It's because everything in dreams is about helping us to figure out how to take flight. So using that as a an, as an acronym, J E T S E T. The J stands for just the facts, ma'am. That means just write down your dream as you remember it. Don't embellish it. Don't second guess it. Don't judge it. Just write down, like take dictation. Just the facts, ma'am. The E is for the emotion. Pay attention to the different feeling energies. Like like with yours, it's surprising. I would think you would be terrified, but you're like, no, it was fine. It was cool. So pay attention to the emotion or feeling in the dreams. It's the E. The T is for give your dreams a title. First thing that comes to you, for example, what would you say is the title of that that jumbo jet oh, coming after you? I would, I would probably call it the jumbo jet, you know, <laughs> valley, va- the valley jumbo jet. <laughs> yeah, the valley of the jumbo jet. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. So, and sometimes there's a subtitle. So see if there's there's that. And then the, the, the second S is for the standout symbols so for you it was the the big jet and it was the valley and all those lights kind of looking small compared to that jumbo to those primary symbols Mm -hmm. and what those mean to you so kind of dissect dissect what is like what is a jumbo jet oh it's something that is supposed to carry me up it's supposed to you know what is the valley what is the valley to you like in a word or two at that time, I think I was still living in Los Angeles, so it was something that home. was it was home. It was it was a it was a home place, but it was but it was 
to, to be, if you want to go deep in it, that yeah. the smaller version of LA means that the less significant it is in my life and that this jumbo jet was more significant in my life, which Ooh. is extremely true because I left LA. <laughs> so that was, go. that was a, if you want to get philosophical about it, that makes sense that it was so small, vast, right. and small. And this jumbo jet was I, you know, 500 times its regular size. And that was the thing that was going to be the next stage in my, you can only decode this now looking back. There's no way I could have decoded this as this detailed at the time, but because of what the the jet represented and what was going on and it was coming towards me and all this kind of stuff. That's how I look at it at least. Oh my God. And I, and the fact that, I mean, I realized that there was this size differential, but I didn't realize it was that extreme. So that is such an important element. It's like the spiritual jet is so much bigger, more important than, than the Hollywood career and significant <laughs> than like as big as Hollywood can seem. It's kind of like a little tinker toy. Like, Oh, that's cute. That's and that's, nice. and that's kind of exactly what's happened with me in the show that this show is the jumbo jet where my other shows that were in the filmmaking space are basically the LA miniature size. That is different. amazing. And it also just feels like the, the, the ratio of material to spiritual and the spirituality becoming much jumbo, more important. Yeah. Much more significant. So, so this is, that's important. And then the next E you'll like this word it's for enlighten. How do you think this dream is trying to enlighten you? If every dream Right. is trying to help us to become more healed, more whole, more awake. How is, so in other words, what was that? So you already got the message of that, how this dream was trying to enlighten you. And then the T, the final T is for take it to the streets. This is where the jumbo jet comes in for a landing. And this is where you actually do something in your physical reality. Like in your case, you, you took the steps to actually start this show. Right. So there, I, I believe every remembered dream requires some form of action in our waking world. Yeah. So that's how we kind of close the loop. Jet that set. is that is fascinating. I've had such a ball talking to you, uh, Kelly. It has been. We, I mean, you could talk. I mean, dreams are endless, and this conversation could be endless because we could just keep talking and talking and talking about different dreams and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to ask you a few questions. To ask all my guests. What yes. is your definition of living a good life? My definition of living a good life. I have so many ways I could answer that, but in this moment, I'll just say the this this new book that I've written, The Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, is this it's kind of the I've done what I thought was that I something I would never do, which is take my heartbreaks and my my pain stories that I've swept under the rug, put in the closet, and taken them out, polished them off, and really look at them. Like kind of take them out of being lodged in my body and and look at them and and look at what I've learned from these things and how they've taught me something. So living a good life isn't just about looking at the bright side it is carl jung says something like um enlightenment isn't just about contemplating figures of light it's also about making the darkness light shining light in the darkness so 
I've done a lot of that alchemy work in this new book. And I feel as a result of that, I feel more free talking to you. I don't have any part of me that's afraid you're going to ask me some gotcha question that I'm not going to be like, what do you mean? Because it's happened. It happened to me a few years. That's part of what prompted me to write this book. If somebody is going to like poke and prod at my past, I don't want to walk around feeling like I'm afraid of anything. I want to be, I want to own, there's a, the first story I put in this book is called Amor Fati. And it's, uh, it's a saying from the Stoics and it means love your fate In other words, love your life exactly as it is and exactly as it isn't. And all the things that worked, all the things that didn't work, all the heartbreaks, all the great, wonderful things, that's what to love. So in order to have a good life, in order to up-level our lives and live on the next level, I think we need to just own all of it, the light and the dark, and know that it's all a gift. Beautiful answer, my dear. Uh, What is your definition of God? My definition of God. (sighs) Mm. The feeling I have when I say the word and when I think of it is this, you know, of course, there's the good orderly direction, but I feel and sense it is so much more than that. It It feels like it's this source that when I am consciously plugged into it, I imagine there being like this cosmic umbilical cord that I can plug into and I'm connected to the motherboard. I'm connected to all of life and all of the good and all of the love. And I am intrinsically safe and held and loved. I don't have to be defensive or protective or try to grab anything from anybody when I'm connected to this source I am right where I'm supposed to be and I am guided and I and I am my best self when I am connected to that and it is always available always at hand like this constant waterfall that never ever 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 stops I am the one that sometimes steps out of it and says I got this one I don't need your help I'm good and then I run back. No, 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 I'm not good. Come back, please. Help. So God is grace. God is the love intelligence that governs the universe. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. When I'm in the midst of that flow, no matter what's going on around me, mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm at peace. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? The ultimate purpose of life. As I said earlier, I believe the ultimate purpose of our dreams, but also life is to, is to wake up. I had a death experience. One of it's one of the chapters in my book that talk about when I died. And I came back. But when on the other side, I got talk about having an awakened moment, being present to the vast love, the vast, indescribable beauty. I think we all have glimpses of that, whether in dreams or meditation or in love or whatever. And I think we're meant to embody that 
and ground that and have that be here on earth. Fantastic answer. And where can people find out more about you and pick up your new book, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste? Thank you, Alex. Everything is on my website, kellysullivanwalden.com. And if that's too hard to spell, you can go to I had the strangest dream.com. It's the name of my first book. I had the strangest dream, and that still will take you to kellysullivanwalden.com. And there's all kinds of goodies over there. And you can get the book wherever books are sold Amazon, Barnes and Noble, local bookshops. And people can come with me to Costa Rica if they want. I'm doing a big, beautiful luxury retreat that will be all about. A crisis is a terrible thing to waste. We'll be doing dream work, yoga, breath work. There will awesome. be lots of mud and exfoliation, <laughs> internal and external, <laughs> waterfalls. and Volcanoes, yeah. all the sorts of good stuff. I got yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And do you have any final words for our audience? Besides that I've had so much fun with you, Alex, and I just so... I so get why the jumbo jet of your show is taken off. <laughs> Thank so you so you've much. You've got such a great vibe, and I love how grounded you are and also how tapped into the vastness of what we're doing here. And you're on that. Oh, so my words, well, I'll borrow it from the, the title of my book, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste. What if, what if everything in life, whether it be those things that are so exciting and the things that are challenging, what if it's all conspiring on behalf of our, our great awakening? Our, I mean, what if everything, there's not one single thing not on our side, not one single person, not one single circumstance? What if it is all a big conspiracy to get us to wake up to how loved, how loved we are? Right. Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show and for the work that you're doing to help awaken and put to sleep many people around the world. <laughs> thank you you are dear. next level. No wonder my computer had to like go through its whole thing in order for me to match your vibe. Thank you so much, Alex. You are amazing. Thank you. So I'm so glad you hopped on that plane and taking all of us with you. Thank you. I want to thank Kelly so much for coming on the show and sharing her expertise about dreams with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 218. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.